Welcome to Simple Self-Care by Naturally Randy K, a podcast about creating healing practices that align with the natural rhythms of the season and your own inner wisdom. I created this podcast to show you that self-care is more than just a buzzword and a good intention. It's a way of being that can fit into your everyday life naturally, intentionally, and simply. Hello and welcome to the last episode of season four. Oh, I can't believe it. That went by so fast. And what a wonderful season it ended up to be, if I do say so myself. But before I get into today's wonderful conversation with author Beth Kempton from DoWhatYouLoveForLife.com about how to have a calm and intentional holiday, allow me to take a moment to reflect on some of the milestones from this past season, because there have actually been some significant ones that you may not have been aware of, since I'm not very good at sharing things like that. (sighs) I'm working on it. So here we go. First of all, at the start of this season, this podcast officially became listener supported with the launch of the Patreon page. And it was super scary for me to do that. And I had no idea if anyone would even want to be a part of it, but you did. And it meant the world to me. And it's been so wonderful to connect personally with you listeners And I've been able to have some one-on-one chats and exchange messages with people and do an exclusive Ask Me Anything session, which was really great. And there's been some sweet bonuses that guests have donated, and it's just been a good time. And thanks to you supporters, I was able to hire some help with editing, which has been huge. And I actually just upgraded my microphone, which I am on right now. I'm still playing with it. I literally just opened the box. I got it in the mail and I'm experimenting with it. So progress. I'm very excited. So thank you. And actually I was able to do the podcast this season without getting burnt out, which was awesome. And if you have been with me for a while and you were listening last season, and I even talked about it a little bit at the beginning of this season, you know that it's been quite the journey. So to figure out how to do this thing that I love and make it fit into my life in a happy way. So I was able to do that this season and I look forward to getting better at it moving forward. And that is all thanks to you. And not just Patreon supporters, but all of you that tune in week after week and you share the podcast with others and you leave reviews and you've sent me private messages and you've tagged me on social media, and even just seeing you as a numbered download, it just makes my life. It means so, so much for me to hear from you and to know that you are out there and that this podcast brings you joy and value. So thank you for giving me that push to keep going and that it matters to you. And speaking of downloads, this season reached a great milestone in the podcast world apparently, and that's 100,000 downloads. And we hit that early on this season as well. And I guess that number indicates that your podcast is like actually a thing and that it's on the up and up and you've beat all odds 
of other podcasts that don't make it that far. So that was very cool. Again, thank you for that. And then the last thing, speaking of the podcast actually being a thing, I would like to mention a little victory that this podcast was recently featured on a popular website called Pop Sugar in an article called 10 Podcasts That Will Help You Master Mindfulness and Feel More Present. How cool is that? And if anything, I didn't even know that they did that. But a friend of mine happened to read the blog and texted it to me. And that's how I found out. So who knows who else is mentioning it. But so yeah, it's fun to see the podcast growing and taking shape and making more of a difference. So thank you for being along for the ride. And one last thing I want to throw your way before we depart until next year. Well, I do have a few bonus episodes up my sleeve, so don't worry. But I wanted you to be the first to know about a new thing I'm doing starting at the end of January. And it's very new and I haven't told anyone yet. So you are the first. But because of the growing interest and the growing importance of using the wisdom of the seasons as a part of our self-care and healing process, I am starting a seasonal support group of sorts. And it's so no, I really don't even know what to call it yet. But for now, the working title is the Seasonal Solace Community. Yeah, I don't know. Let me know. I'm open to ideas. But each season for six weeks, we will commune online and deepen our practices that align with whatever season we are in. And the winter session will start January 27th. And I have a feeling that the winter sessions are going to be my favorite. I know, stay with me. I know that winter is such a tough time for so many of us, and we tend to isolate ourselves, and seasonal affective disorder is a real, real thing. And as someone who, one, deals with depression, two, lives in Fargo, North Dakota, (laughs) I feel like I have a lot to share with you on all things winter well-being and really leaning into the season and how I actually enjoy winter in Fargo. So I'm really excited to share all of that knowledge with you. So if you are dreading winter and want to have some built-in community and support through it, please join in. And I'm capping enrollment off at about 15 to 20 people so it can stay intimate and I can give my full attention to everybody. So head over to my website, naturallyrandyk.com slash seasonal healing and get on the wait list for when registration opens up in like a week or two. And there's going to be an early bird discount that you'll want to get in on. Uh, So yeah, head to naturallyrandyk, that's naturally r-a-n-d-i-k-a-y.com slash seasonal healing. All right. Okay. Thank you for staying with me. We just have a lot to cover today before we officially close season four. And I wanted to share all of that with you. So huzzah. But I'm very honored to have Beth Kempton as my closing guest. I was recently introduced to Beth through the magic of Instagram. And I must say that the girl crush began instantly. She's an author and she's known for her books, Freedom Seeker and Wabi Sabi, both of which I'm excited to read myself, but I was able to read her 
most recent book, Calm Christmas. I figured it would be a nice little book with some helpful tips, but once I got into it, it just is so much more than that. It's a thoughtful, deep dive into the culture surrounding the holidays and why the holidays have gotten so stressful and intense. And she provides such a practical and gentle and effective way of navigating it all. And I just love it. And so we talked about a lot of that in today's conversation. I was originally going to use this one as a bonus episode closer to Christmas time, but after we chatted, it became clear to me that you needed this info ASAP as you make your holiday plans. And it will give you a chance to get the book and you can use it as your guide if you so choose. And for Patreon supporters, she's gifting a free copy of her guide to creating a mini seasonal retreat. She's got an array of wonderful online courses and this one is perfect for this time of year and as we head into the winter. So that can be yours for as little as $2 and you can access that at patreon.com slash simple self-care. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Beth. We chat about where we've gone wrong with Christmas and this time of year and how to change it. We address mental health and the holidays. We talk about evolving your holidays with your life, how to honor the melancholy and the loneliness of the season, how to trust yourself with creating boundaries and staying open to the unknown. And I decided to start recording during a conversation we were just having naturally and share it with you because I figured you would appreciate our nerd out about what we love about winter. So that's where the conversation starts. Enjoy. Do I like the winter is a good question because I think I've, because I choose to live here, I've come to really embrace it as like a way of survival. And then that has turned into loving it, if that makes sense. Because it's like, there's so many great things about Fargo that make it worth living here. But um, it's actually how I got into teaching more about seasonal self-care practices because it's like there's so much wisdom in really embracing each season that you're in and there's wonderful things about winter. It just gets, it's hard to see that here because it's so intense. Mm. But yeah, but that's why I loved the chapter in your book about winter wellness um, because it highlights the wonderful things about it. And like you talk about the the rhythm of winter and like the hush of winter. And I'm just like, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it is. It's, it, everything just is like a layer of quiet over things, isn't it? Yeah. It's comforting. Yeah. And um, I love that. Like when you go out after it's freshly snowed and it's so still, and then you can only hear like the crunch of your boots. Mm. Like that's just like, that's what it can feel like in mm. your daily life mm. if you embrace it. But um, but yeah, we can nerd out about that together if we'd like. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we have to do that without the snow. It snows a real treat for us. Everything shuts down if we get like one inch of snow. Yeah, so that feels very much like a gift from winter. Mm-hmm. We get that, but 
the, the exact same feelings I think apply with when you just give yourself the space to have uh, appreciate that quiet you know after the rain is the same or on a beautiful really sunny very cold crisp winter day it's lovely too isn't it yeah it is so I guess this goes into one of my initial questions for you was how did you come to embrace the season of winter and enough so much as you wanted to write a whole book about it (laughs) and about like uh, the Christmas season. I know that it's been significant for you as you write about in your book, but when did you really start to fall in love with winter and understand its wisdom? I think I've really appreciated the rhythm of the seasons because of my very long term connection to Japan. I um, you know, I've been going to Japan for over 20 years and lived there for a big chunk of that time. And people in Japan actually really, really appreciate the seasons. They have 72 micro seasons. So this, the, there's a named season virtually every five or six days. Um, food changes, flowers change, what people wear changes, um, festivals change. And I think that was so obvious when I was living there for, for the first time when I was 19. And that's always really stuck with me. And here in the UK, we do get pretty distinct seasons. It is, you know, things are going all very weird with climate change, but it, there is still spring, summer, autumn, winter here quite distinctively. And I just love that. I appreciate the change. I love changing my clothes. I love different things about each season. But I think the book itself, Calm Christmas, came out of wanting to write about Christmas rather than wanting to write about winter but when I really started to think about Christmas and almost where we've gone wrong with Christmas when it can be so wonderful and it's such an incredibly stressful time for so many people for so many reasons um I just had to look at winter as a season and what we as you know with our animal nature should be doing at that time of year and it's not spending all our time in brightly lit loud shopping malls you know and a lot of the other things that we just tend to do um around Christmas time so I think it was really important to include ideas about winter wellness in there because that's a huge part of keeping your energy up through the season we get a lot demanded of us at this time of year and of course we can take steps to do less but you know we also do need to just try and keep well these you know colds come around and there's so much illness around at this time of year and I mean I often get a cold in the change of season from autumn to winter and I just it's almost like oh winter's coming (laughs) my cold's here again and it sometimes you know with especially with small children who pick up everything at school you know it's hard to avoid those things but there's things you can do of course to give yourself the best chance of quick recovery Um, and also just not eating only sugary food which is a big temptation around Christmas (laughs) and um, trying to do that all through the year uh, I mean all through the winter sorry um, makes a really big difference so it was an inevitable part of it but first and foremost it was definitely a book about Christmas. Yeah and I I really felt like I went on that journey with you with the idea of Christmas because initially I'm like yeah this is this is a good subject to write around and then (laughs) and so then as I read it I was like oh yeah, this is a season that mental health issues rise and there's a lot of personal um, tragedies that can happen around this time of year. And then after 
the holidays, there tends to be this recovery time or this like push to be a better person now at the end, like for New Year's at the end of this super chaotic time. And when you really stop and think about it, it's like, this doesn't make any sense. It, doesn't. <laughs> and it, it and really it, doesn't. And yet we, every, you know, all the messages that we get in the media and everything, they just, they seem to drive us down this one path that we, I wouldn't say happily walk along, but we seem to get sucked along. And you can just see everybody in January, like knackered, credit staring at their credit card bills saying oh my goodness what just happened again having been so excited about Christmas beforehand and I don't I don't think it's very difficult to change the way you prepare for Christmas to really enjoy it but also that one thing I obviously talked about in the book um the the, the time I call the hush the time between Christmas and New Year some people call it Twixmas I think the Scandinavians have a few different words for it um but it's a really precious time um which I always use for quiet time with my family as well as um getting out in nature and um reflecting on the year gone by as well as looking to the year ahead and saying what i want to carry into the next year but it's very much a kind of floaty um way of dreaming and planning it's not sitting down and saying what are my new year's resolutions going to be i definitely don't do new year's resolutions um and what are the big things i'm going to achieve starting on the 1st of january by the 31st of january because that's just not how we're built and that's it makes so much more sense to try and set your big goals to launch towards the spring when you know as animals we're kind of coming out of hibernation we have a very different kind of energy and obviously we have the energy of the sun in the northern hemisphere it makes a huge difference um and so using that time to really reflect on all that's happened in the year which might have been a string of amazing things you might have had huge life changes might have been you know just another year like all the other years and you realize you don't want next year to be just another year like that it might have been a year with really hard things happened you might have had a loss in your family you might have had some devastating news you might have had a really hard time with work or with money and we need different things every Christmas and the time after it um but I don't we often don't give ourselves that because we it's all this big rush and then we're back to work and actually it's, it's really important to stop and think wow that was that was a big year or that was a really hard year or I'm really tired and I want a few <laughs> days to not be drinking and eating and spending having a house full of people and actually just to say right these are the things that I learned from this year and this is how I want to approach the year ahead you know I it's it's very easy to roll from one year to the next but our time on this planet is limited and actually it's a brilliant time to make either incremental or big change plans without necessarily launching yourself into all the work of those plans. Yeah I think that's really wise and it's good to have it talked about more because it almost gives us that permission slip we've all been craving of like oh this is a thing, this is a thing that's being written about or talked about and we can start to embrace that. And it, and we just seem to resist that natural flow and that's when chaos <laughs> happens. Um, but I, I've come to, I don't do New Year's resolutions anymore. I have narrowed it down to doing more of the reflection like you mentioned, but coming up with a theme for my year and I have the entire year to meditate and figure out what that theme looks like 
Um, and I found that to be a lot more productive mm. th- than being like, oh, January 1, I'm going to be a completely new person. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. You don't need to be a new person. Maybe there's some <laughs> things you want to shift and change and try and all of that, but everyone is absolutely fine as they are. And then it's like, right, working with where we are, you know, what what comes next gently, you know. Um, but I think it's really interesting you talk about permission slip because I think the whole book feels a bit like that to me that because mm-hmm. Christmas we it's you know it, in my house we don't eat turkey anymore because a few years ago we realized me and my husband realized we don't like turkey and my children don't like turkey <laughs> and so we're like who are we making turkey for nobody wants it um and and it was literally like, who like whose permission are we waiting for to not eat turkey we can eat whatever <laughs> we want it's our Christmas right and especially on Christmas day if it's a, such a special thing then why can't you eat whatever is your absolute favorite thing or you know if eat you know tiramisu for breakfast who cares it's mm-hmm. it's the way that you want to celebrate and I think there's so many things about Christmas that we do either because they're expected of us or because it's the way it's always been done um or because nobody is brave enough to have the conversation about is this really what we want to do yet again and it might be that you decide actually yes that's really precious to us and that's fine but if you never ask the question you're never going to know which pieces really matter and which pieces you could ditch to save money or time or stress or you know any of those things yeah throughout your whole book I was just like this needs to be required reading for every human being right now (laughs) because it's (laughs) because it's just like yeah it has become a hot mess in so many ways and we're scrambling around trying to find solutions or how can we cope with how it's going when really we can just reframe and take some accountability have some hard conversations and reflect on the each year we can get better and better with it like it's not like oh this Christmas now is going to be the perfect authentic Christmas for me you know, it's like, okay, you're going to experiment with some things this year, and then you're going to make note for what you're going to do next year. And it becomes this lifestyle of what's right for you and your loved ones. At that particular moment in time, because when your children are tiny, or your children are grown, or your children have flown the nest, or you don't have any children, or your grandparents age, or, you, you know, your partner's no longer with you, or, or whatever you want and need a completely different kind of Christmas to even if you even if for the 10 years where your children are you know from zero to 10 you do this iteration of Christmas and get it more and more what you would call authentic to yourself as your family and you're building your own traditions it's also the case that 10 years on you're not going to want the same thing then and that's totally fine so it's I think the the whole tradition thing it's I'm certainly not saying to anybody throw out traditions traditions huge part of what makes Christmas for so many people but just carrying on the ones that are special to you for whatever reason and then you know shaping it for really what you want and need that year and of and I think it starts with you but you, of course you need to take other people's um ideas and wants and wishes into consideration which is obviously where a lot of tension comes from but sometimes I think we have the wrong conversations you know we just have a conversation about so what are we doing for Christmas this year or um I only want to spend $15 on presents this year is that all right which is of course fine and those are important parts of the conversation but there's a bigger conversation I think before that which is what kind of Christmas do we want to create 
and share and experience and remember based on all that has gone before and where we are in our life right now. And that's a completely different kind of conversation to one that leads you to, well, we had we had everyone last year, so we're gonna have everyone next year, or yeah, but I wanna buy bigger presents for everyone or whatever. It allows everyone to have a completely different conversation, which can lead you to a much better understanding of each other. And it might, it might not be that you decide to cut out all the things that you don't care about. That conversation might make you realize that one thing that you're not bothered about means the absolute world to your mother-in-law and that actually it becomes a treat for you to be able to give that experience to her and so it's not all about you but it's about understanding where each of the people who you're gathering with at Christmas is coming from and what they want and need as well that year. Yeah it becomes more of a of a true like group effort than just like this is how it's done. This is how it's always been done kind of a thing. And I love that you have tools for people to figure that out, your Christmas constellation exercise, which is awesome because I was reading that and I was like, oh, this is cool. I should do this for myself. And then you take it a step further and you're like, now have other people do it or or figure out what other people's are and then blend them together and then figure it out. Like, it's just brilliant. It was really um, clever um, and and thoughtful and made it like a fun, a fun activity to like see where we cross over instead of trying to fight your way to get what you want, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And for anyone who's listening who hasn't read Calm Christmas and doesn't know what we mean by the, <laughs> well, the Christmas constellation. I want to tease them so they read it. But <laughs> Yeah, I really, I really, really hope that you will read it. But just to say that, so, yes. so I, in my research for this book, I obviously had my own experiences of Christmas. And I had my own very clear ideas about how you could go about changing your approach to Christmas. And I'm absolutely not saying this is how I do Christmas. You should do Christmas the Mm -hmm. same way. It's about using the same tools to find what works for you. Um, But I really wanted to understand other people's experiences because the truth is we, unless we really ask people, we don't know what goes on in other people's houses and in their hearts and in their minds in the weeks around Christmas. Um, unless we really take the time to ask. And so I, I went out to hundreds of people um, from my community, 37 different countries around the world, many different religions, um, certainly not all Christian, um, atheists, people who are from families where there's more than one religion, very different approaches to Christmas. And it's absolutely not a religious book, but for anyone who appreciates the religious side of Christmas, you will also appreciate that in the book. Um, and just to gather stories, and it was actually an incredible exercise because people who I, I kind of know at a distance through the amazing world of online community, um, I've never met them. And they shared some of the most precious and poignant stories from their life, some of which are in the book, um, many of which aren't in the book. Um, it, was, it was really quite amazing. And what I figured out was I was looking for a symbol, I think. Like, what is it? Is it Christmas tree? Is it gift giving? Is it? gathering around a table or something at Christmas. What is it that we all associate with Christmas? And there wasn't a single symbol that everybody connected with, um, which was a real surprise for me and just showed that even though Christmas, you know, celebrated by two billion people at least, um, and we all hear the word and have a view of it. And I think because of probably Hollywood movies, um, Mm -hmm. think we're thinking about the same thing, but we're really not. But when I kind of dug into all the data, I realized that there are these five stories of Christmas. 
um, that we all associate with to one degree or another. And they are stories of faith, magic, connection, abundance and heritage. Um, and it's really quite amazing that every single person from all those backgrounds who shared their stories with me associated with one or more of those to one degree or another. And the constellation is a tool to figure out actually what matters to you among those things. And then crucially, like, as you said, Ravi, what matters to those people you're sharing Christmas with and how you can use that information to have a, a really precious celebration together. I actually did this exercise with um, 20 people um, last weekend in a room together um, and it most of them were strangers but one was um an uncle and his niece and one of them was a mother and daughter um and the and then there was some other so they have really harmonious christmases and they had come to this um small gathering really to kind of kick off their christmas celebrations because they adore christmas and their you know families have these um, lovely tension-free experiences, nice for them. I know that's not everyone's <laughs> experience. Um, and there were quite a lot of other people there that were like, I just can't do another Christmas that's like that one. I wanna come and get some ideas and tools and stuff. And it was absolutely amazing when they did their constellations for themselves and then for um, one particular person they had in mind, either maybe their partner or a particular child or somebody who really stressed them out at Christmas there were just light bulbs going off all around the room like going, oh now I get it now I understand why Christmas is like it is and now I've got some ideas about what I could do but the the mother and daughter and the uncle and niece who have very very harmonious Christmases um had both done themselves and each other separately they'd done their own constellation and the other person's constellation and they were all exactly the same <laughs> it was so interesting yeah. and it just makes so much sense and it's not to say that you have to change someone else's opinion at all but just having an understanding of where someone else is coming from makes a huge difference and, and the conversations to be having now they're just so precious you know um it can just lead you into that in itself becoming a memory of Christmas mm -hmm. yeah and that things get to shift like that maybe if you've had a negative um experiences with Christmas or it's not something that you celebrate but yet you're bombarded with it <laughs> whether you like it or not like you get to acknowledge those things instead of it lay dormant or turn into resentment because when you can acknowledge what it is you like about it what it is you don't like about it and really uh vocalize it or even just know it tangibly then it provides an opportunity for that to maybe shift or you can now fill in what your needs are to make it to prepare yourself and and move through the season that's so true and the fact that it's almost kind of a safe way to explain that to somebody because it's not you just saying it directly you're just explaining this picture that you've just drawn it's somehow <laughs> a lot easier I love that you picked up on that it's really important I also I think for for people um we, we talk a lot about oh the stress of Christmas we've got so many parties to go to and all this stress there are some people that have no parties to go to and have no invitations and Christmas is an incredibly lonely time for them it's a really difficult time because it used to be a certain way and now it's not anymore um and I really try to recognize that um in the book as well there's a whole chapter on um what I call honoring the melancholy because there were a staggering number of stories sent to me about people having 
finding Christmas really hard, whether it's because of um, a particular sadness, because they have an idea of Christmas and that's not what it is. Um, people lonely either literally because um, the kind of lonely we might associate with Christmas, um, old people having nobody to share Christmas with, for example, but also a huge amount of millennials um, really struggling um, if they've got a you know really, really tight budget, feeling like they can't participate in things that their peers are doing and, and getting a real sense of loneliness there. And people saying they feel lonely in their marriages and that it really shows up at Christmas. And then a huge number of people um, saying that they really wanna have children and they haven't been able to have children. And the fact that Christmas is so much about children and often if they have siblings who have children, their whole family gathers um, and it, the children are made such a fuss of, um, they, they really felt distressed about that and a real kind of grief for the Christmases they won't have that they had been dreaming of with their children. And that's something we never talk about. Um, and I think that they, the way that they shared those stories um, in, in the questionnaire was very different to the way that people shared stories of grief of people they'd loved and lost. Um, it, was, it was almost like, I'm not sure if I should be saying this about Christmas because we don't really talk about it, but this makes Christmas really difficult for me. Um, and it's not that there's anything you can say necessarily to make that better, but just understanding that if somebody in that situation is coming to your house at Christmas time, you know, how can you, what conversation can you have with them in advance to figure out, you know, whether they want that acknowledged or not acknowledged or things done a little bit differently. It's just a sensitivity thing, I think, that having asking those questions, having those conversations can really make a difference, people. Yeah, that's one of, uh, I feel like, I, want, I don't want to say my favorite part of the book, but like it was a, such an important, a part of the reason why I think it's so important for people to, to read it is because for those that have that hard time, they can be seen and heard <laughs> and um and have it acknowledged in a very real way and then for people that have maybe those people coming over to your house like how do you provide options for them um and and care for them in ways that are really thoughtful and and meaningful and i i think we all have our own twangs of emotion uh around this time of year for various reasons um there's a part in your book where you talk about reflecting on christmases from the past and what it is and mm. just writing these little mini memories and um you know i kind of did that mentally and it was like oh the one where i got my own personal stationery, the one where I like, it was a kid, like all the little gifts that I remember. And like, oh yeah, there was the one where I got divorced right after. And there was the one where I was single for the first time in four years. Like it, it's just mm. like, there's all these like highs and lows throughout that. It's like a weird bookmark <laughs> in our yeah, life. It, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It is this kind of marker in, in time. You could almost put one memory to each Christmas. I think the ones when you're a child often tend to blend together into this general idea of what Christmas was you know maybe now and then there's a present that stands out but generally there's mm -hmm. like a childhood Christmas idea feeling thing but from I think from you know the age of going to university if you went to university or leaving home or whatever there's often a life event which is connected to because it's either it happens then or it just happened before like you said it just happened afterwards 
And it's a really interesting marker in time and also a really interesting way of looking forward to say, I really hope this is the year when, or I'm going to make this the year when, or, you know, the, the Christmas that, the one that. Um, it's just an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? Yeah, I'd never thought about it that way, but it it's so fascinating I don't know I get really fascinated by being a human being yes <laughs> and like the how weird we are oh my goodness um, we're so weird we're so weird <laughs> I, I, I actually think that fundamentally the way that we approach Christmas year in year out is completely weird so like, weird something that's so important to us why do we ignore the fact that things aren't working and just keep on doing it and head into this you know go get in the car again and drive for you know, in this country it'd be about four hours in America it's probably a lot longer to go and see mm-hmm. what it is and you know we'll be stuck in that airport again with the flights cancelled and all the children going is Father Christmas gonna come and or you know or, why do we do all that stuff again and again and again if it's not working that is definitely weird but I think it's really interesting when you start taking this different approach to Christmas I don't know if you got right to the end of the book but um actually the Christmas constellation that exercise you can use it in your life mm-hmm. and to figure out actually in my whole life which things are really important to me and do the people closest to me realize that and it might be that it shifted over time and that people have one image of, of you and what you want and need and actually you've not really checked in with yourself for quite a long time and oh that's interesting things have shifted and this kind of thing is is much more important to me now um mm. there again another interesting conversation that you can have while you're sat around the <laughs> new year pondering life the universe and everything <laughs> yes exactly well and that's what I love about using the seasons as a tool for self-care it's like a framework and a structure to be checking in with ourselves and to constantly be course correcting and taking a moment to be like, why am I doing this? And is this actually serving me? Is this what I need right now? You know, and it's, it's, I'm going to have to add the constellation to my self-care practices because it's, um, it's just, it's so important to have these things that allow us to stop and and challenge what's going on like I I think what is turned into chaos about Christmas like we're doing it all year we're doing in everything it's almost like and I think that's why there's been a uh, this movement of simplifying and intentional living and slowing down it's like we're starting to catch on to it and be like this isn't gonna work (laughs) anymore yeah we we are and it's we we are and I really hope that it just continues to grow because I do mm-hmm. sometimes wonder you know that the online world tends to show you what you know and believe and think right with all the algorithms and stuff and sometimes you know I might just go into a huge supermarket and wander around and go these things I think are changing are they really changing like looking right. at just the, all these people here out of these people how many of these people are thinking about this and it's definitely more than it used to be and it's mm-hmm. so important that we have these kind of conversations and I think with something like Christmas because it's such a topic that people can connect around you know everybody has an opinion on Christmas everyone has a story about Christmas um you can start that ripple effect wherever you are because you know if you change something about the way that you do Christmas that might affect one person it might affect 10 people then the way that they've done it and and went oh actually that was that worked really well then affects other people and I think it's a really subtle way of being a 
activist for a more simple life to be yes. honest you know and yeah sometimes those are the ways you have to do these things I think that's uh really motivating because as somebody who teaches and talks about it a lot myself I and I consume content from other people that agree with me yeah <laughs> I um I feel like okay well I don't really need to talk about it that much or this is kind of what everyone's doing and then yeah I I get out of my usual rhythm and am reminded that it's not the norm and um it it's like motivates me to still be a voice with it and and carry it forward with podcasts that you know or or whatever that thank goodness for people like you I mean you this is so important it really is and I you know I don't I don't mean at all for that to be a negative thing I I just think it's you know being a realist in the world and Mm -hmm. and every now and then um you know with all my work that I do around doing what you love I've been you know that my company is nearly 10 years old now and when we started it was you were just banging your head against a brick wall to try and get people (laughs) to understand that you don't have to work in a company and work nine to five Mm -hmm. and commute and all those things and that is definitely shifting but every now and then I'm like right I need to go to some you know random quite backward town and go and see how everyone's living because you know (laughs) not everyone is like all the people that I hang out with and are inspired by and all those things so I think both of those things is it's really, really important but to come back to the seasons um one thing i think is really curious about seasons um is that they're obviously three months long 12 weeks it's a really really good amount of time to either reset to start a new habit to get an entire project done you know to really focus on something without getting bored of it um and so actually splitting your year into the seasons and understanding that this is a time for building this is a time for absolutely going for it but knowing that after that 12 weeks then the next season is this kind of season um it's it's just really interesting to move through the year like that I think um and it makes the really if you start the year with you know 12 massive goals it's intimidating no wonder we give up Um, (laughs) but if you just have one that is aligned with the season um, and then, you know, you see your progress over 12 weeks, you get to the end of 12 weeks and you're like, oh, you know, cherry blossoms coming out, moving into spring. And look what I managed to get done, even though I was, you know, taking it easy because it was winter, blah, blah, blah. And then same again, come summer. Wow. Three more months on and we've moved to here. It's, I think it's a much more gentle way, but really, really effective. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I found that practice to be very healing for me. It It has what it helps a lot with my mental health. Um, and it, it just takes the pressure off trying to always have it figured out all the time or having fear or living in the scarcity mindset of, of letting things go, you know, like we tend to glob onto things and think like, I've got to, this is who I am now. And this is what I've got to be and what I've got to do. But the changing of the season helps me trust that it's okay to, let things end and let things go and whatever wants to come with me gets to but it's also okay if I did that thing for 12 weeks and I'm like Matt that's not who I am you know um it's really really healing um one thing that I have um I was in my 
internet stalking of you properly <laughs> you before <laughs> um, uh, is uh, your other book uh, you have two other books freedom seeker and wabi sabi and those could be their own podcast episodes and and things but one thing that a theme that i've really admired about how you've come to teach about these things is your ability to tap into your own inner wisdom and trust what the next steps are for you. And those have come from big life shifts, uh, career shifts, being open to revelations and and having uh, tuning into your own personal spiritual things. Um, and I just, you can tell that that's the groundwork of what you teach about. And I'm curious if you had any maybe advice or insights on how people can start to cultivate that as they approach the holidays because I feel like that's where the where the good stuff comes from you know and how you can have some confidence moving forward and in, in switching things up wow no one has ever ever said that to me before in, in terms of having read the books and noticed that as a theme and I love that you picked up on that and shows how perceptive you are because I think <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's so much of I, I think when you I haven't always I think when I was a, when I was a child and a teenager that's how I lived my life and then I went into the corporate world and became a lot more analytical um, and a lot less trusting of my gut and then when I started to change things again then that's when things really started to get interesting um, and I think it is definitely a practice um, and I think we have so much more inner wisdom than we realize I mean I really I had some very interesting energy work from a lady in Portland once and she who knows how these things work but she essentially took me into my own subconscious and I was in this library archive and um a very very old library surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of really really old books and um she was saying about how that's all the I, I don't know whether I believe in many lives or any of those things, but she was like, through all your experiences in in life, you have collated all of this information from your experiences that you can draw on at any time. But you, when you're in analytical mode, you assume you can only know so much because of your age. Like when you're 30, you've only got 30 years of life experience. So how could you possibly know the answer to that thing? And actually, um, you know, that's not just me that we, wherever it comes from, we have access to so much more wisdom and knowledge and instinctive understanding than we could possibly have picked up in all the books that we've read or conversations that we've had or any of those things. We just somehow have access to more wisdom than that. And I think it's about opening up a kind of energy channel to those, like an openness to, hey, I don't have all the answers, but I probably have more answers than I realize. And I'm just going to let the universe show me the way to find the answers sometimes um just really trusting that that huge resources is there for us um and also um i think in terms of what's the way to get better at that um and make decisions without all of the information that if you know you sit down and you go pros and cons right let's just you know shall we move to Canada okay well these are the pros and these are the cons and there's more of one side than the other so no let's stay where we are you know that that is not for me an exciting way to live 
and it's also not the way that would um, help you kind of follow a path that would lead to greater things. That's one part of the puzzle. Absolutely, information is one thing. Um, but as I talked about in Freedom Seeker, which has this metaphor of a bird running through it, um, I, I talked to um, a professor from Oxford University who spent a lot of time um, researching birds. And one of the things we talked about was how um, birds navigate and they use um, landmarks, you know, the um, both man-made landmarks and also natural landmarks like rivers and mountains and things. They use the sun and the stars, which are obviously, you know, kind of information outside of themselves. Um, and they use what no one really understands it completely, but something called magnetoreception, which is a kind of inner compass, um, which is how they figure out where they are in space, you know, altitude and all those things. Um, and I think that's so interesting if you kind of translate that to being a human being. Um, so a bird only can, can only use a landmark as a way to find out where it's going if it's flown that path before, right? So that translates to our knowledge and experience, the things that we've learned, the education that we've got, the things that we've studied, um, the conversations we've had with mentors, all those kinds of things, the, the, the everything we've gathered through living our life the way we have until this point. So that's why people often say nothing is wasted because it's a really important source of information, but it's not the only one. And then the equivalent of the sun and stars, um, that's the information guidance that we can seek outside of ourselves. So listening to podcasts like this or um, taking an online course or you know, re choosing to read a book, um, those kinds of things, asking a friend, um, looking for a role model who's been down this path before. Okay, so you want to get out of your office job and become an, an illustrator and draw pictures to make money for the rest of your life. Okay, who's done that? What can I learn from their journey? That's all looking for information and guidance outside of yourself. That's another way of doing it, but it's not the only way. There's no point just copying somebody else's journey because that's not your journey. And then the, the other one, the inner compass, of course, that's our sixth sense and our intuition. What feels like the right thing to do? Um, and that's also not the only way. And I think we have a tendency as human beings not to all choose the same one, but for each of us to naturally tend towards one or two, but not equally use all those navigational tools that we have available to us. And I think it's really interesting to kind of practice. Um, if you're somebody who's like, oh, every decision I make is, um, you know, it's um, instinctive. I just decide, go with my feeling and then off I go. And sometimes I get in a right mess because, you know, if I just read that article, I would have found out, you know, he was a terrible idea to try and work with that guy, you know. <laughs> so, and, and the complete opposite of that is that, you know, the pros and cons, like we sit here and we figure it out based on, what we've our experience in the past should we do that or not okay we're missing a huge chunk of the picture what would it feel like to live in Canada has that been my dream my whole life you know that kind of information is it's all important and I think if you get stuck it's actually really good to go right what should these navigational tools am I using and what else could I try so I think for myself I have gone through life really pushing myself in all of those different ways of navigating the world um, and more and more coming to trust my intuition but always backing it up and and if you struggle with your intuition a really good thing to do um is to say right i've got this decision to make maybe a small decision like shall i ask my boss if i can reduce my hours and take and have you know do longer days monday to thursday and have half day on friday 
oh, it might ruffle feathers, I don't know. So my gut feeling is, yes, I should do it. It'll be really good for me. So write that down in your journal. What's your gut feeling? And then if you're someone who tends to go round the houses and ask everybody else and then come back to what you thought in the beginning, you've got that evidence in your journal that you already knew that, you already thought it. So you start to trust yourself a little bit more. So, so using journaling, journaling as a way to kind of note your own response before relying on other people can be really helpful, I think, to help you in that kind of intuition way. I love that. <laughs> I love um, I love how you uh, brought all that to life. Um, it it really is having these tools in your tool belt and taking the time to know yourself well enough to know when to use each tool and when you have to maybe dust one off and, uh, and go, go for it. But I think, um, journaling is a huge tool for me. I feel like it's how I can really hear from myself. Um, instead of just trying to sift through my thoughts, all the Mm. thoughts that are being bombarded at me. Uh, but in regards to, um, you know, moving forward with decisions with your own self-care and setting boundaries and as we go into this time of year it it is all an experiment and you get to experiment with trusting your intuition and what that sounds like and feels like and taking note and being like okay that that did work and it's this or maybe it didn't (laughs) you know like whatever however it goes for you but um yeah, I guess my mind is just flooded with a lot of thoughts from what you just said. <laughs> I, I think it's, <laughs> it's, so I'm yammering about, but uh, like agreeing with you. Um, <laughs> no, I, no, I think that's one thing but, I love to do in writing books. And I didn't know about it until I started writing books, which I like to look for patterns in human behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the amazing things about having an online community, because you can tap into that and ask people questions and then look at what they've said and going, well, this person from this background has come at it like this way. And, and, but there are so often these kind of patterns of, of behavior. Um, and I think we talked there about um, decision-making and intuition, but if you're kind of in the pre-decision stage, like you're saying, I know something in my life isn't working. I don't know what it is. I want to change something, but I don't have a decision to make because I'm not going to quit my job without knowing what's next. Right. So, so my decision is, is, is more about do I bother to investigate this feeling mm, which yeah. I hope the answer is always yes um, but <laughs> the, the thing to do there I think is just to follow your curiosity and yeah. don't um, kind of stand in the way of it if it seems really bizarre like like often I will say you know just go to a shop that sells a hundred different magazines and just look at all the magazines and see which one jumps out at you, even if you don't understand why, and just buy it and take it home and read the whole thing. And there will be something in there that's a clue. And, and that's really what, you know, or you're sat there in a cafe and the person at the table next to you is they're just sat there also on their own. And you get that feeling of, I really want to talk to that person. I've no idea why. We'll just say something. And if they shut down the conversation, they shut down the conversation, but you might end up sitting there for three hours, finding out something really interesting about the world. Um, and I think just if you get that sense of curiosity, um, follow it without judging it or shutting it down and um, see where it takes you. And, and over time, all those clues start to add up and you figure out, you know, there, there isn't, nobody gives you the answer, but there are definitely clues 
put in your way so you can mm-hmm. kind of figure out a way forward yeah I love that I I do that all the time I've it's become really fun for me <laughs> to be mm-hmm. and I don't have a lot of shame so I really don't care if I look weird <laughs> or, <laughs> That's or people really think important. that I'm weird <laughs> that is basically yeah just don't be more weird and yeah. don't worry about looking weird because actually I think you know people are fascinated by people who are slightly <laughs> do unexpected things um but also it really doesn't matter like like genuinely it does not matter what other people Mm -hmm. think especially the people who are sat next to you in the cafe who you're probably never going to see again what are you going to lose by you know even making a small comment that might lead to a really interesting conversation absolutely Mm -hmm. well one thing that I am definitely going to try on from your book is where you suggest blocking off periods of time and in your calendar and labeling it I forgot what you said, but something awesome is going to happen here. Like, <laughs> it's an absolute game changer. Honestly, if you can block out a month in your calendar, it, obviously that's really hard for yeah. <laughs> the, you know average person with a job and a family and you know all those things. But right. the more time you can block out, if you, I mean, if you can do it for a week, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, take it, or, or even a few days, take it off work and literally block it out in your calendar. Put nothing in there and say, I'm going to need that time because something awesome is coming my way. Then mm-hmm. when every single time I've done that, it, it has. But even <laughs> if it doesn't, you end up with three days to do something that you really want to do. You know, so there is there is no losing in that situation. And it's just such a strong message that you are open to something that you don't yet know about. Because if we I think another thing that we tend to do, I mean, I absolutely adore stationery and planning stationery in particular. But if we sit there in December and we plan our entire year to every single tiny segment of it what happens if something awesome comes along where are you going to put it you're either going to add it on top of everything and be you know completely burn out because of the really good thing that came along or you're going to have to pass it by or you're going to have to drop something that you committed to which you know sometimes can be really difficult I'm not saying don't do that sometimes that's a good thing to do but you end up forcing it into spaces and it you can't give it your full attention. So actually saying very clearly by blocking out this time, and it might be that you actually do it regularly and you say, you know, every, the first two hours of every Thursday morning mm-hmm. is for whatever's coming. Don't know what it is. Um, and of course, something's going to come along and there will come a time where you have to put that into that space. Right? You, you don't just turn up on the first Monday of that month you've taken off and go, right, come on then, universe, what have you got for me? You know, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's more about saying, right, in the month of April, I'm not, I'm not, for example, if you're someone who has to do a lot of public speaking or external, you know, podcasts and radio interviews and things that take a lot of external energy, you might say that whole month I'm blocking out with no client discussion, nothing. No one's having anything from me in that month and I'm going to see what comes. And then maybe an opportunity comes up for you to, um, you know, go on a 10 day meditation retreat. Um, Your friends was going to go and has to drop out and so would you like to go and it's in India and whatever then (laughs) then yes look put it in that's what the space is for you know um so of course a time comes when you have to fill it but to in advance block it out is just so liberating and I think it that really feels like self-care to me so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm really noticing that you need something that is you don't have in your life right now and you don't know what it is and that's fine but let's honor that by making some space for it I love it 
And I think that's such a, a great starting point of experimenting with that energy and that tool yes. of making the space, trusting what comes to you, listening to what you hear. Like that's such a easy way to go about it. And for me, who I'm very adventurous at heart and love uh, randomness, I think that's a great way for me to have my structured randomness <laughs> that I'm craving. <laughs> so, so that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for um, taking the time to come on here and share your wisdom with us. And I, I just, I just really appreciate um, your approach to to the Christmas in particular, but that you that your life has accumulated in a way that you get to share it with us in this. Isn't way. that crazy? You <laughs> call it work. It's, it's nuts. I love thank, it. Thank you so much for your kind words and for being one of the people in my community that you know keeps me inspired to keep finding out about these things you know you don't we don't write for ourselves we do sometimes I think you know, <laughs> it's a combination it us. yeah but our books are not just for ourselves for sure that's um, what I like about being in the in the wellness industry is because all of my personal healing I get to turn into a learning opportunity it's, amazing. <laughs> it's just yeah. amazing yeah. thank you for all the work that you do I mean we were saying before about um you know sometimes you're not you think you're in a bubble, but it's a really, really important bubble and you want to just get the bubble bigger and get more people mm-hmm. inside it. Um, it's and it's true. great to get to talk to you. Like you. So thank you for having me. Isn't Beth just wonderful? I told you. So be sure to grab a copy of Calm Christmas on Amazon or on her website. And I'll provide the links to both in the show notes. And if you didn't know, there's a link to the show notes and to the Patreon page right in the description of this podcast, wherever you are listening. So you can easily access it there. And thank you again for such a wonderful season, for your support, for tuning in. And like I said, there will be some fun bonus episodes coming in a few weeks. So be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss it. And you can even hear from me weekly and get the latest podcast and updates right to your inbox by joining the simple letters at naturallyrandyk.com slash newsletter. And I do hang out the most on Instagram, so feel free to connect with me there. And I'll actually be doing a weekly Instagram live starting next week, which is around December 9th until the end of the year covering various holiday self-care topics. So It'll be a fun place over there. Well, I think it's fun. So I hope to see you there. Please stay connected. Season five is going to be starting mid to end of January. I'll let you know. (laughs) And I'm looking forward to it. Happy holidays and a happy new year. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Randy Kay, a holistic wellness practitioner and educator. Through my online resources and one-on-one mentoring programs, I teach women holistic ways to tune into their inner wisdom and establish healing seasonal practices so they can know how to heal their own pain and feel healthy and at home from the inside out. And until we meet again, take good care and enjoy the journey.